Welcome to that Groovy Scoopcast, your go-to audio hub for all things Scooby-Doo. I'm your ghoulish guy, Derek. The first documented case of the Curse of Crystal Cove is from 1630, when a garrison of Spanish conquistadors mysteriously vanished from the harbor. Oh, that's so scary. Where did they go? What part of the word mystery don't you understand? Hey guys, I'm your host Derek. And I'm Shannon. Thank you for joining us today. Today we are diving into Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. I'm really excited. Yeah. This is one of my favorite shows. Mm-hmm. Just in general on TV. It actually is. Like, we talked about this last week, but I said if I had to choose like a few shows to watch forever, like this would be one of them. Mm-hmm. Like, when we were like teenagers, we watched it on Netflix. We binged it. At your house. Yeah. And we loved every moment of it. So we're both very familiar with this series. It's not really new to us, but we're enjoying revisiting it from a new perspective a couple years later. We're really excited to talk about it here on the podcast. But before we get carried away with that, we'd like to get started with our weekly Mystery Machine match, our trivia competition between Shannon and I to see who knows Scooby-Doo better than the other. How are you feeling this week, Shannon? I mean, I go in every week optimistic, so I'm going to try and keep being optimistic, but I'm quite a bit behind, so we'll see. Our current tally is me with 22 points and you with 18 points. And now, as of last week, we have decided that the loser has to eat a whole hot dog taco. Yep. That we were introduced to with Shaggy and Scooby-Doo Get a Clue. Yeah. So... I decided that, and I hate hot dogs, so I don't know... Why you agreed to that? I don't know why I agreed to it, but I did. I've suggested other things to you, too, like chocolate-covered corn on the cob, and other fascinating dishes that Scooby and Shaggy have indulged in. Maybe we'll do, like, an extravaganza. Okay. Well, without further ado, Shannon, you can go first. In Scooby-Doo and the Bandit, what does Scooby-Doo end up driving? Um... I'm not really even sure what series this is from, to be honest. Is it a horse? No. No? What is it? It's a train. Fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shannon, here's your first question. Name the genie who offers to adopt Scooby-Doo and take him on Arabian adventures. Jasmine or Sunshine? Sunshine? It's Jasmine. Oh, see, I was going to guess Jasmine, but then I was like, would that be copying Aladdin? Are they allowed to do that? <laughs> well, this is the genie, though, not like the princess. I know, but I don't know. I haven't seen Arabian Nights, so. All right. Well, that was a guess. <laughs> moving on to your next question. What professor oversaw the science lab in Scooby-Doo and the Cyber Chase? Kaufman or Langley? It was Kaufman. You are correct. All right. Here's your next question. What member of the gang bumps his head, which causes him to believe he is a superhero named Super Teen? Is it Fred? Shaggy. Oh, I wanted it to be Fred. (laughs) (laughs) I think that happened in a pup named Scooby-Doo. I could see that. All right, Shannon, what's your last question? The Sea Beast is a legend of what group of ancient people from Central America? I really don't know the answer. (laughs) What is it? The Aztecs. Oh, I wish it like 
told me what episode the sea beast was from. Well, and but... it was, that was a weird question. It made it sound like what ancient people are referred to as the sea beast. Oh. Like, it, it was weird. I don't know. All right. Well, here's your last question. A giant kind of what bird chases Shaggy and Scooby during Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost? A bird? Yeah, it's a type of bird. An owl? It was a turkey. Oh. Oh! Do you remember that? I remember that. Yeah, when Sarah Ravencroft made the turkey, like, huge. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, this week it looks like I finished with 23 points and you didn't gain any, so you're still at 18 points. Those hot dog tacos are looking pretty nasty right about now. (laughs) Well, are you ready to move on to our first episode of Mystery Incorporated? Yes, I am. All right. Well, we're going to start talking about Beware the Beast from Below. Our premise is coming from Scoobypedia. After being jailed for solving a mystery, the gang stumbles upon yet another case. A slime mutant that lives underneath Crystal Cove is cocooning anyone that gets in its way. Despite being warned not to continue investigating by their parents and the police, the gang attempt to solve the mystery anyway. It makes it sound like the gang is, like, really bad. Like, the police told them to stop. But in the first two minutes, you find out the police are assholes in here, so... It's not that they're worried about their safety. It's just they don't want them solving mysteries at all. Um, Before we actually talk about the plot and story of this episode in particular, I kind of wanted to touch on a few points about the series when it comes to its style, animation, and stuff like that. Um, Right off the bat, I just want to talk about the title cards for this series. I love them. I do like them. Like with the the green fog, and Mm -hmm. it's all like silent, there may be a little bit of like sound effects or something in the background. And the series refers to its episode as chapters, not episodes. So it really makes it feel like a, like a full-fledged story, you know? Mm-hmm. And then with the animation, it's just so reminiscent of what a classic Scooby-Doo Where Are You cartoon was. With, you know, like the characters being hand-drawn, but the backgrounds being like painted and... Well, and the, the whole gang is back in their original wear. Pretty much, yeah. And, uh... It's like a breath of fresh air because you're going back to when we first started watching Scooby-Doo and everything we remember, but the art style has gone up, like the quality of it. Yeah. And uh, it's a nice little touch of new with an old feel. Yeah. It definitely has a really intentional look to it, and it's funny how... The way you look at some of these character designs, even if they're, like, minor characters, for one, they're really easily, like, recognizable. And on top of that, I feel like whenever I see an image of a scene or something from this series, I instantly know it's from this series based on how the cartoon looks. Which really speaks to the level of detail and consideration that went into what they look like. Well, and especially, you know, in the past we've mentioned Hanna-Barbera does things quick and cheap. Yeah. And this is neither. This is, you know, it looks like they took time and did it, and they obviously had a decent budget to be able to take the time to make everything. Hanna-Barbera had a more, like, quantity over quality kind of philosophy with their cartoons, but this one, I feel like, really well balances both. Yeah. You know, because there's a lot of quality in this particular cartoon, And when it comes to quantity, 
you're getting a whole storyline. Well, a whole storyline that spans 52 episodes. Yeah. This is the first series to go with that many episodes. Were there any comments you wanted to add about that in particular? No, I mean, I I really did like it. I think that they definitely set the level higher. So this is what we have to expect, or this is like the new thing that we compare it to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's just the series as a whole, not this particular episode. Definitely. So, like, don't take our final scores for this episode based on what we just said about the series. Because there's, there's some episodes in this series I don't like. So we'll just, you know, just to throw that out there. Um, later on in this episode, we'll talk about some other cool content that we want to share regarding this series that we think you guys might enjoy. But anyway, enough of that talk. Beware the beats from below. So... The episode opens with the gang. They're cheering that they just solved a mystery. They're congratulating each other, giving high fives and stuff. And they're doing this inside of a jail cell. They decide to go to celebrate. And that's when the town sheriff, Sheriff Bronson Stone, slams the cell door on them. They're arrested under what grounds, we don't know. But we do know that they have a lot of interactions with the sheriff. From just the way the dialogue goes, instantly we get this impression that the sheriff does not appreciate them solving the mystery. And then on top of that, he makes comments about how he's already called all their parents. He's got them on speed dial. Which goes to show there's been like prior instances where, you know, their relationship has been strained. Yeah. The sheriff points out his Fred in particular and says that he called his dad, who happens to be the mayor of Crystal Cove, the town that this story takes place in. Which is odd to me, because in, like, any movie that takes place with a mayor's family, like, the mayor's son is always this stuck-up jerk because he gets away with everything. Mm-hmm. But here the sheriff is, like, locking up the mayor's son for honestly not a reason that we can tell. And it's just kind of funny to me that, like... Well, when you think about it from the dynamic that Fred is the kid that everyone would expect to be you know, a more upstanding youth in the town. You know, his dad's the mayor. Everyone loves the mayor. And here's Fred, who is messing up the town's main, like, tourist revenue. You know, like, yeah, I can see why their relationship is not what you would expect to be coming out of this. So also in that scene with the jail cell... You get a sense very quickly that Velma is going to be very sarcastic in this series. Right, right. The sheriff at one point leans over to the jail cell and goes, why do you think I have this badge? And Velma replies, it came with the shirt. Fair. (laughs) I mean, she just, her sass level is very high in this series. In the first minute. Very, very quickly. Yeah. Um... Something I like about this is, you know, it get, it gives us a really quick sense of what Velma's like. We already have known her to be a little sassy sometimes. Like, we saw that in What's New Scooby-Doo when we yes. watched Goldpaw. But in this series, it, like, amps it up to 11. It's, it's one of her main personality points. And that's what I feel like really makes Velma, in particular, out of the five, the most developed member of the gang. Yeah. Scooby and Shaggy doesn't really gain a lot, in my opinion, when it comes to their character. In a way, I feel like Daphne may have detracted a bit. And Fred, he he's just off the rails, but... Well, and... <laughs> okay, so to, to expand on that, Shaggy and Scooby, yes, stay about the same. They love food. They love running away from expect. monsters. Yeah. Fred, we do gain more on his personality, but it's not anything you really care about Mm -hmm. um you find out that 
on top of just loving to do traps, he loves to do traps. Yeah. There's traps all over his room. And, you know, at one point you see in his room there's a bear trap just sitting on the ground. Right. So, I mean, it's it's something that he loves. That's his passion. It's his. You know, aside from, like, mystery solving, traps in particular is his passion. And then with Daphne, really the most we get from her is that she has a really big crush on Fred. But because Fred is so obsessed with his traps, he just doesn't see it. But that's kind of, like, to an extent what we got in this episode. was like, she's still a mystery solver. She still does bring stuff to the table. But overall, it's her crush on Fred that they keep going back to. Well, yeah. And on top of that with Daphne and her obsession with Fred, I feel like even with Vama is with Shaggy in this episode, I feel like this episode would technically fail the Bechdel test. Yes. Really quickly. Well, I don't know if Velma and Daphne often speak just to each other. So most episodes I don't think really pass Well, I'm talking about this one in particular. Well, yeah. But one other point I had about this scene is that I think it's interesting that they were celebrating the fact that they solved this mystery inside a jail cell. Like, they've been escorted into a jail cell by the sheriff, and then they celebrate, and they're like, yeah, we solved the mystery. Let's go celebrate, and think they can just walk back out. I don't know. I figured, (laughs) my thought was maybe they, like, walked the monster or, like, the guy who was thought to be a monster back to the jail cell and, like... Somehow ended up in a jail cell. Because they weren't with anybody else. No. It was just the five of them. And on top of that, why is the dog being arrested? Because he's just as meddling. <laughs> is it because he talks? It's because like, he is talks. He, is he looked at as a citizen? Like, does he have rights? I wonder if he can vote. These are the pressing questions of this series. Yeah. I need details. And answers. I think there is an episode at some point where Fred's dad needs to go up for re-election. We'll, we'll, we'll revisit that topic when that episode comes. Okay. So then it goes to the next scene. It starts out with Crystal Cove, the most haunted place on Earth. Hauntedest. That's how the sign says it. Oh, I must have missed that. Oh, well, I didn't read that right. Yeah, the sign says the most hauntedest place on Earth. <laughs> so that just makes what my next comment was going to be of... It really shows what type of people these people are. They're really proud of what they're known for. Yeah. I mean, that little town in Scotland is definitely like a Nessie town. You know, if you have something, extort it. That's what we learn from cities and towns. Mm -hmm. So I get it. And I'm not going to lie, though. Like, if there was really a city like Crystal Cove where it's the most haunted place on Earth, do you know how many people would go just to visit it? I would probably go. Exactly. We'd probably go. So... I get why they do it, but, like, that was just the weirdest thing to see on the sign. Yeah, so in this scene, we see Velma is guiding a tour. She is the tour guide for this, like, haunted museum. The spooky museum. Is that what it's called? Yep. Okay. So she's the tour guide. She's talking about the history of Crystal Cove. Uh, She says that there was a Spanish garrison that disappeared in the 1600s. She gets sassy with a few people. Oh, yeah. So that's when she said the Spanish conquistadors had disappeared in 1630. And it's a mystery. No one knows whatever happened to them. And this woman's like, oh, that is so scary. Where did they go? And Melma just instantly responds, what part of the word mystery didn't you understand? (laughs) Again, furthering that sassy element that we were talking about a a few moments ago. I mean, at this point, like... Everything Velma has said has been sass. I think we're still under the first minute mark. Yeah. (laughs) 
She goes on to explain more of the history of the town. She talks about the town's founder, uh, Cletus Darrow, I believe his name was. Yep. And how his family disappeared one Halloween night. And then after he disappeared, Crystal Cove became a hub for paranormal activity. They go inside the museum, and Velma's introducing the tour group to monsters that she and the gang have encountered in the classic Scooby-Doo Where Are You cartoon. So she particularly points out the ghost of Captain Cutler. Minor 49er. Charlie the Haunted Robot. And the Space Coop. You also see a few other monsters in the background. I noted that we saw the Creeper, the Green Ghost, or Phantom Shadow as his technical name is, and even the Luna Ghost from the 2002 live action movie. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. So Velma basically loses it because the group are just all terrified by the monsters. The woman that asked the stupid question a few moments ago, she said that the space kook is just so blood-curdling and frightening. And that's when she's just like, not really. They all turned out to be fakes. And she goes on a whole tirade about how they're all fakes. They This guy was a banker, and that guy's name was Frank. And, you know, it was just nuts. I was really appreciative of this scene because she got two of the details exactly right. She said that the minor 49ers name was Hank, which is accurate. And she claimed that Charlie the Haunted Robot belonged to Mr. Jenkins because he wanted to have robots run the carnival. Yep. Both of which are 100% correct. If you go back to those episodes, that's exactly what happened. Well, and I wouldn't expect them to get those wrong. I don't know. I mean, the Luna Ghost is appearing in the background. And you got to remember, that's a completely different thing. They could have completely rewritten those mysteries to be whatever they wanted and just have these monsters be the same name. But they're actually like really reflected of what those classic episodes were. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciate that. So okay. awesome. Velma's parents stop her from, you know, completely blowing, their, blowing cover. their whole cover and sends the group away and they start scolding her about, you know, what are you doing? Like, And she goes, reboot parents. Parentals. Parentals. Reboot parentals. <laughs> Something I noticed about her mom is that she has an Illuminati necklace. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's to sell the spooky museum. While she's talking and defending herself, the scenes are starting to cut between her, Shaggy, Fred, and Daphne all having basically the same conversation with all their parents. Mm-hmm. This is what we do. We solve mysteries. All the kids are doing it. Shaggy says that... he just You just have to give my friends a chance. Yeah. We're always safe about it. <laughs> Mrs. Rogers goes, find new friends. <laughs> Fred is having a conversation with his dad, who's again the mayor. And the mayor's like, I just don't want you to do something that you're going to regret. Or- and Fred, he's so innocent. He goes, like, make a wrong trap? No! <laughs> like, and- no, Fred. He's hoping that you don't waste your whole life ruining their town's primary form of revenue. (laughs) And then there's Daphne, who's talking to her parents. Again, in this canon, her family is freaking rich. Yes. And she is now being held up against her four older sisters who have, like, really successful and rich lives. And then there's her just kind of spending her days solving mysteries with this band of random teenagers. I had a question, though. So I get why Velma's parents and why Fred's dad have issues with them, like, ruining the idea that this town is haunted. But what incentive do the Blakes and the Rogers have for Shaggy and Daphne to not? Like, Daphne is probably just because they want her to be successful. Yeah, I think that Daphne 
his parents want her to be rich and successful, and being a mystery solver isn't really going to give that to you. But what about the Rogers? But the Rogers, I'm assuming, because this is not the Rogers that we meet in Pup Named Scooby-Doo. This is some... Run of the mill. Oh, just, yeah. These are wildly different parents yeah, than what we saw are, in that series. These are just kind of run of the mill normal parents. And I think overall, like, even though these people are fake, they know the dangers that, like, real people can cause. Like, real people can kill real people. And so they're just kind of concerned for their kids' lives. Like, we just, we you don't think want that's you just to, what it is. I mean, that's kind of what it seems like. They don't put out, like, a huge, like, you have to go out and be successful or you don't have to do this. Because at one point, Shaggy says, don't worry, Mom, we're always being safe about mm-hmm. it. Implying they've had this conversation a few times. And they sound really sensitive, too. Because yeah. from them with Shaggy's parents, I get the impression because they seem older yeah. than the rest of the parents. So I'm going to assume that they, they had Shaggy later in life. Especially his dad. His dad seems really old. Yeah. And his mom just seems like a, just a really older, stuck-up white woman. I don't know why. It's just, oh, no. <laughs> that really just comes... That's how she comes off to me. Yeah. But, you know, comparing them to how they used to be, these parents seem... Well, his dad was, was just like, we're not saying that you have to find new friends. And, no, find new friends. Yeah, and then his mom just interrupts, and it's just like, no, you need to find new friends. So his mom seems to be the more strict parent between the two. Yeah. I just thought that was an interesting thing. I do have a question. Yes. So... Velma's family owns the Spooky Museum. Yes. Fred's dad is the mayor. Yes. Daphne's family is rich. I'm going to assume it's for the same reasons as in other canons where they own a soap company. Okay. What do Scooby and Shaggy's parents do? It's never explained from what I remember. But okay. I do know they're well off. Because, like, like medium, like uh, middle class or, like, rich? I think they're upper middle class. Okay. Because his house is huge. Okay. Because my whole thing is, although you're doing slightly dangerous things, you're still solving mysteries and everything. And like, yes, I can be worried about you, but you're also hanging out with the mayor's son. He has some pull and influence. And you're hanging out with a really rich girl. Yes. Like, honey, you go live your life. You're doing pretty decent right now. Mm-hmm. And Valma's smart. Yeah. She's a really smart girl. I imagine she's probably being the valedictorian, if anything. And I'd be real pissed if I found out my son is hanging out with a rich girl, the mayor's son, and dating the super smart girl, and then ruins it because of a dog. I don't know. Interesting things. During that scene when he's talking to his parents, I wanted to point out the breakfast that he's having. Oh my gosh. (laughs) They're eating pancakes. It's just a stack of pancakes. Like, there's probably 15 to 20 pancakes on each of their plates. And they have sausage and anchovies on top of the pile of pancakes covered in maple syrup. They have a bowl of beans, some muffins, some donuts, oranges, a glass of orange juice, some chocolate cake, and chopped onions all on the table. Like, they're just devouring to the point where they're actually, like, feeding each other. Like, Shaggy's pouring the beans in Scooby's mouth, and Scooby's, like, shoving this muffin in Shaggy's face. It's like, this is disgusting. It's really romantic. (laughs) Like, and Shaggy's mom is going, don't forget to chew. And then his dad's like, and breathe. (laughs) Like, I wonder how often they come home to their son and dog just eating the house, and you're like, oh, fuck. Well, if this is their normal breakfast, they have to be well off. Yeah. That was a wildly huge breakfast. You know, to feed kids like Scooby and Shaggy, you'd have to be well. Not kids. They're one kid and his dog. Yeah. (laughs) His dog is eating pretty well. Think about it, too. They could be as rich as Daphne's family, 
but they just can't afford because they're feeding people. <laughs> when Daphne is talking to her family, yes, they ask, you know, are you sure you really want to do this? Don't ruin your future, blah, 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 blah. And are you sure about Fred? Is there really no other, other boy? boys? Right. And she goes, not like Fred. He's one of those geniuses that no one understands until they're dead. <laughs> he sees things different, and he wants to capture those different things in his traps. Like, it was the weirdest thing I've ever, like, I've never heard someone describe another person like that. Yeah. I don't really ever want to again. <laughs> We're introduced to her sisters. We mentioned them in a past episode when we, in one of our fun facts. So, Dawn, Dorothy, Daisy, and Delilah. Um, I don't really know which one's which. I think Delilah's the drill sergeant. But um, based on their outfits, we can tell what their professions are. Yes. So, Delilah's the drill sergeant. I think... Daisy is a doctor, and then the other two are, one's a model, and then one is a race car driver. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, they're all evidently very successful. And then there's the other sister that we've theorized exists that, you know, is an astronaut. Yeah. Daphne hears honks outside the house. It's Fred and the gang. They're ready to pick her up to go to school. It's like, oh, you know what? That's Fred and the gang. Gotta go. Bye, Mom. Bye, Dad. Bye, Daisy. Bye, Dawn. Bye, Dorothy. Bye, Delilah. She's on her way out. Deuces, everybody. Basically. They hop in the car and they go. So now it cuts to this scene where we see three uh, workers down in a sewer. I'm not really sure what they're doing. They're just drilling stuff. Uh, They're just drilling something in the sewer, but the uh, head guy is eating... Fruit Myers. Yeah. It's a new ice cream dessert place that's we opened up in Crystal Cove. No one knows what it is. But he's enjoying it. He's like, have you guys had this before? He leans back, and that's when the brick wall behind him collapses. And His first response is, who touched this? No, he's like, who broke? Which one of you broke this wall? Bitch, you, you. You did. You're the one that leaned on it. But the other two are just like, we barely touched it. Yeah. So they touched it. I think they're lying. <laughs> So they're like, is this another sewer? And the guy's like, no way. This is the only sewer in town. He goes, so you know what that means? And the other guy goes, that we broke into another dimension? (laughs) Um, So they decide to go into this new cave that they have found. When they're walking through, they find this wooden sign that says danger that's above these uh, barrels of what appears to be radioactive substances. And they see the top of one of the barrels, like, move. Like, there's something inside. And he's like, boss, what should we do? And he goes, well, we better open it. He says, well, these barrels all say radioactive, which means we need to open it right away. We can't let this mess up our schedule. Like, radioactive barrels are really going to mess up your schedule if you don't do anything to them. Yeah, it seems plausible. (laughs) So they decide to open the barrel. When they do, this, like, green goo bursts out of the barrel, and it attacks the three of them. We don't know what does, so we just know that they're screaming in agony. So now we cut back to the gang. They're in the mystery machine on the way to school. And Velma and Shaggy are the only two in the back of the van. Scooby's up in the front with his head out the window. Daphne's probably talking to Fred. Googling. Yeah. So Velma asks Shaggy what happened to him last night. They were texting, and then he suddenly just disappeared. And he says that he and Scooby fell asleep watching Vincent Van Gogh movies. Which got me because we know him. Right. And like, specifically Shaggy and Scooby know him. Yeah. And, and so, Daphne. And Daphne. And Daphne. Again, this is a reboot. Vincent Van Gogh is not the same kind of person in this 
universe. I know, but it's just cool. Oh, no, yeah, I, I completely agree. It's awesome. I'm glad that they bring him back. Anyway, Velma's like, okay, well, apology accepted. And I'm like, well, he didn't apologize about anything. He let you know what happened? He, he didn't, didn't apologize. apologize for it? Um, so that's when she goes to kiss him. So what are your thoughts on Velma and Shaggy together? I think we've probably talked about this before. You I and, really don't you remember your I, opinions. But, I mean, our whole lives, everybody always thought that Daphne and Fred should get together. Right. right? So that basically leaves Velma and Shaggy. So everybody did at one point, like, ship them and want them to be together. I'll admit, I never did. I thought about it, but, like, I don't know. I never, I got out of it pretty early, so. I just don't like the idea that a single boy and a single girl have to end up together. Just because they're the only friends in the group that happen to be single and opposite sex. But here's my thing. Because I do like the idea of their relationship. I think the relationship could work. Do I think it would be a really, really cute picture of, like, a pregnant Velma and Shaggy and Scooby, like, all sitting on the front porch being all cute. Yeah, that's cute to me. I could also see it with just about any other girl, but I do like the idea. This show butchers it. You think? Because, well, and mainly because they make Shaggy uninterested of her. Like, for most of it. Like, not that he's uninterested, because he does like her, love her, whatever. Mm-hmm. But he's just never willing to commit. Yeah, I I agree. I think that they both have flaws with how they handle this relationship. Yes. But Shaggy basically has not told Scooby yet that they're together. Which seems so silly. Yeah, it really is. Uh, he just says that, you know, he's his best friend and he just wants to be the one to break it to him when he feels like the time is right. I really hope that I don't act like that with you. What, like you're... Like I get really ashamed. Like if I'm ashamed to tell you who I'm dating, if maybe asha- I shouldn't be dating them. Yeah, I was just about to say, if you're ashamed to tell me that you're dating someone, maybe you just should reconsider. Yeah. Because I'm not one to judge. I, I, okay, no, that's false. <laughs> I, I will say, judge, uh, but I will tell you if I think it's a bad idea, you know? Yeah. Like I'll tell you if I think it's a bad negative influence on you. But if you personally feel like you cannot tell me... There's an issue. That's that's the first indication that maybe this isn't a good idea. Yeah. Like, if I'm ashamed, and, like, it's not even, and he says it, but I don't believe him, that he's not ashamed to tell Fred and Daphne. Oh, I don't believe that It's just Scooby. No, No, because then Fred and Daphne would know. And that's when Velma is actually, like, about to just go ahead and tell him. She's like, well, you know what? What about now? Hey, Scooby. And that's when they get attacked by the monster. All hell breaks loose. But I was just like, holy shit. She was about to just blow the whole thing right then and there. Because she's over it. Look, okay. I'm going to be honest. I've been in that situation before where I didn't want to tell somebody that I was dating someone else. And after a while, you do get to that point where the other person's going to be like, no, hey, we're dating. Just FYI. Like, I'm over it. Right. And if you want the relationship to grow, people have to know it can't be a secret the whole time. Right. But then I'm also wondering how long they've been together at this point. It's never said how long they've been dating, but I I don't know. I don't feel like it's been very long. See, I felt like it had been maybe like a month. I would agree. Okay. But yeah, so they get attacked by the monster. They are in the middle of town and a sewer cap flies out of the sky and it, like, lands in the road, and it, like, breaks the concrete. And now this green slime mutant has climbed out of the sewer, 
it shoots its green goo at the van and it's like shaking oh, the van. But wait, because Daphne has A plus reflexes because Scooby had his head hanging out the window while they were driving and she pulled him in and started rolling the window up. Because he the, came to approach the window, right. And for the young kids that under don't understand what rolling a window up, you had to <laughs> physically roll the window up with a little handle. I would hope there's not too many young kids listening to this. We are explicit on iTunes, guys. But, I mean... She was good. She was yeah. good. She quickly handled that. And then, yeah, it shot out, started, like, rocking the van. Yeah. Um, it ends up leaving. So I'm thinking about how this episode ends. I'm not going to say who it is just yet, but thinking about how it ends, why? Why did he burst out of the sewer and just attack this random van and just go? Yeah. That does not help your plan whatsoever. Well, and hence what I say with a lot of our villains is had they just not... Been very low-key, down low, like, like don't bother anyone, you won't get bothered yourself. He didn't even need the the suit. Yeah. You could have just stayed a regular person and done your thing and absolutely no one would have noticed. Right. So they decide to go and investigate. They climb down into the sewer... Because when the monster walks away, Fred goes, well, this looks like a mystery, and that's just a little bit more important than school. (laughs) Right. So they decide to climb down into the sewer and check it out. They go down into this cave, and while they're down there, Velma points out the barrels, the radioactive barrels. She claims that the barrels are military and that they've probably been there for about 40 or 50 years. And how she knew that information, I don't don't know, know. but I can accept it. I'm going to just go with it. So Daphne finds a locket on the ground. It's a magnifying glass with a question mark in the glass area. It's like a solid gold color pendant. Yeah. And she's like, huh, I wonder what this is. So she opens it. It plays a little tune. This tune is basically like the theme song, kind of, of the series. It's not like the actual intro music, but it's actually the, the credit music. You hear it in the credits. Okay. But it has a picture of a young boy and a young girl. They're probably the same age as the gang, teenagers. She doesn't know what it is. And Fred's like, huh, I wonder what that is. That's a cool clue. Good job, Daphne. And she's like, oh, thank you, Fred. You're so sweet. And by the time she like looks, he's already gone. He didn't even notice. So they start just walking around some more and they start to hear some dripping. And they find dead bodies on the ceiling. <laughs> now, they're not actually dead, but at this point, we don't know. They look dead. Like, they look zombified. Yes. And Scooby just lets out this scream. And honestly, I feel like I probably did, too, when I first watched this episode. I probably would have, yeah. That, I think, really quickly set the tone for what kind of show this has become. Now, I also want to ask the question, because in the next scene, the police come and they're taking the bodies and everything. Right. So does the gang call 911? They must have. With the experience they have had with the police, they still continue to call 911 when there is an emergency. And I think that's A++. Yes. I think the gang, well, the gang is really, you know, good hearted in this situation. They're just trying to help. Yeah. You know, they're not trying to make people mad at them. It's just the people just don't like what they're doing, even though what they're doing is inherently correct. Well, you know? So then we get the beautiful quote from the uh, oh my sheriff. Oh, God, yes. So the gang is, like, just saying, you know, th- this is basically what happened. And Sheriff Stone says, You see what happens when you kids stick your noses where they don't belong? People get cocooned. 
I love Sheriff Stone. He's hilarious. He is one of my favorite voice actors. He's voiced by Patrick Warburton. It's hilarious listening to him as this character in this show. I love it. 100% great choice. Mm -hmm. I would never want anyone else to be Sheriff Bronson Stone. Never. So the gang are basically told, you know, okay, go to school. They're about to climb in the van and Fred's just like, you know what? Just a moment. I'm going to go and try and talk to him real quick. So he goes and talks. And Daphne's like, don't worry. He'll handle everything. Fred's just so great. And a moment later, Fred is now running towards the van, carrying one of the bodies. And they're just like, Fred, what are you doing? And he's like, the sheriff wasn't in a very listening mood. So Vilma goes, so you stole a body? Rockin'. <laughs> They climb in the mystery machine and they just go. Velma was all for it. Daphne was so disgusted sitting next to the body in the backseat. Oh, she looked horrified. Now, I'm surprised that the police didn't pursue them. Yeah. Like, he, Fred had to have gone, like, into the ambulance or up to some authority person who happened to be near the body, pick up the body and just bolt. And no one saw this? And at this point, I mean... They probably know who they're taking the body to. The gang or the the police? The police. I don't think so. Or there's only, like, two people in town that could really handle something like that. I don't know. My first instinct wanted to take him to a science teacher at my high school. Well, who would you take him to? Because you can't take him to a hospital and you can't take him to the uh, guy at the precinct. I don't know. I wouldn't have taken him to my science teacher at the high school. I don't know. (laughs) Um, but that's what they do. So it cuts to Professor Emmanuel Raffalo. He is teaching a biology class. My first comment is that I think it's weird that they call him Professor. Yeah. Because this is a high school class, and you don't usually call your teachers professors unless you're in a college or a university setting. But he writes photosynthesis on the blackboard, and he turns around, and he's like, can anyone tell me what photosynthesis is? And everyone raises their hands, and then he quickly says, and please don't say plant farts. And everyone takes their hands down. That joke really sticks with me for this episode. I don't know why. It's just so funny. Because that's something you'd see in a high school class. <laughs> um, so they all come running in with this dead, slimy body. Right. They throw it down on the table and they're like, can you help? And the classroom is just like, oh my God. And everyone's screaming and running out of the classroom. Which like, same if somebody came in with like a slimy dead body. And the professor's just like, couldn't you kids have waited for break? Now, I'm just going to say it now. Professor Emmanuel Raffalo does turn out to be the villain. But because Fred's first instinct was to bring the dead body to him, I'm wondering if the professor has helped them in the past with other cases. Uh, that's what I was thinking, which is maybe why they brought a dead body to him. Because you don't, you wouldn't just do that to like some random science teacher. So now I'm wondering how many dead bodies that they handle in their day-to-day lives. More than a high school teacher should. The professor is now analyzing the body, and he's suspecting that the green goo is some sort of organic material. He states that the person inside, he's one of the the sewer workers, he says that the person's alive, he just appears to be in some kind of dehydrated stasis. He doesn't really know what that entirely means, but he basically just confirms, no, he's not dead, he's just frozen in this goo. 
Meanwhile, Scooby is in the background. He's interacting with this cage with this lab squirrel in it. And he sees the squirrel food is Scooby Snacks. Why is he feeding his lab squirrel Scooby Snacks? I thought that was strange, but he decides to open the cage and take the snacks, and the squirrel attacks. Fair. Yeah, relatable. Really relatable. So Scooby's just messing with this squirrel in the background while the gang is talking to the professor. I like this still, like, cartoony action that's still going on despite how different of a tone we're dealing with well it's because they're letting us know like even though we are going to take on a serious tone you're still gonna laugh well we've already have many times yes (laughs) people get cocooned shannon (laughs) so the professor says that he's gonna run a few tests just to figure out exactly what the goo is he asks the gang if the sheriff has okayed this and fred quickly like quiets the gang it's like yeah totally and like shuffles them out of the room like totally why not why wouldn't he he's uh he's totally on board right (laughs) so they leave the high school i'm just guessing they're not going to school today and they go to fruit myers so fruit myers like we said before is this new like dessert place in crystal cove like there's a super long line like outside the door of the building so this place is really popular. We're introduced to Franklin Frutmeyer, who is the owner. And like what you said, he says that he doesn't really know what it is. It's not ice cream. It's not yogurt. He doesn't really know what it is. And Just slightly terrifying. A little concerning. Now, Daphne, Fred, and Velma are eating whatever they ordered. And Shaggy and Scooby got like 12 smoothies and they eat all of them. And... Velma's like, you know, I really wonder what's all in this. And Shaggy's just like, like Franklin Frumeyer just said, it's a secret. And I'm like, no, he didn't. He just said he doesn't know what it is. They're just, maybe that's their problem is neither of them are good listeners. Because she's saying he apologized even though he didn't. And Frumeyer's just saying whatever and Shaggy's not listening. Yeah, I guess that's just their character flaws. They just don't listen. So they go outside, and Fred's just saying, you know, if if the goo does turn out to be organic, we may actually have a real monster here in Crystal Cove, which would be awesome. Velma is talking about what she thinks the organic green goo is, and she asks Shaggy what he thinks, and she goes to hold his hand in front of the whole gang. And Shaggy freaks right out. Pulls his hand away, and he and Scooby bolt inside. To get more fruit myers. Yeah. So Daphne saw that. Because she was like, hey, Velma, is something going on between you and Shaggy? And at that point, you can tell Velma's just pissed and done. And she's like, no, of course not. Why would there any be anything? See, I don't interpret it that way. I looked at it as she didn't want them to know, which confused me. Because, like, she's perfectly fine with telling Scooby, who is evidently the main one that Shaggy has an issue with knowing. See, I, I took it as, like, her just being fed up and, like, irritated with Shaggy and being like, no, of course, why would there be something going on with me and Shaggy? He doesn't act like it, so, yep. no, we, no. Like, I think she's kind of on that, like, well, fuck him. If he's not going to act like we're in a relationship, then no, then we're not in a fucking relationship. Screw him. We're done. Whatever. Okay. I guess, it, yeah, you know what? That kind of changed my mind. I, I think I kind of agree with you. Yeah. And just, like, with her personality, you know she'd probably do something similar to that. That makes sense. Okay. But then at the same time with that... 
Either way that we look at it in that case, she's not helping the relationship. No. Because she's not being honest about it either. Yeah. Like, yeah, she's mad and she's just like, you know, throwing that out there. Like, yeah, he's not going to act like it. So, no, we're not. But she does want them to know. In that case, I feel like girl to girl, obviously they're friends. And we get that sense later on. So yeah. I feel like, yeah, she should have just she should have been like, to death. Yeah. Even though Fred was right there, like... Fred and Scooby, I'm sure, are really good friends. So then, like, let me complain to both of you so you can go back to Shaggy and be like, bro, you're fucking up. I don't know. Because, like, you know, she could have just been like, you know what? I'll, I'll talk to you about it later. Yeah. You know? Even that. So she storms off. And now it's just Daphne and Fred. So Daphne's like, you know, I wonder what's going on with this locket. It's so pretty. It'd be such a romantic gift if I got something like this. Fred does not catch on. He's like, well, we both know you're not into that girly stuff. That w- That's what makes us great friends. Yeah. So, again, she's kind of just feeling like he's so oblivious. And he is. He, and he really is. is. Now, here's my thing. Because the way that Daphne's family talked about Fred, I thought that they were going to be in a relationship right away. Like they're already in a relationship and just they don't approve. Yes, because she's like, really, is there anyone besides this Fred boy? Because clearly, yes, you're in love with him. But right now it's just a crush. Because they're not dating in any way. No. They're still just completely regular friends like you and me. And one just happens to have a crush on the other. So We're in love. We're in love. Right. So they climb in the mystery machine and they go, you know, to do whatever. And now we cut to Professor Emmanuel Raffalo. He is doing some late night testing on the body. He thinks At the high school. At the high school, right. He thinks he hears something out in the hallway. He goes and looks and it's just a janitor. The janitor waves at him. That's nice. I'm what? glad they have that relationship. I wish we would have had nice janitors in high school. <laughs> we had one. One nice janitor. <laughs> Didn't he get fired? I hope not. We'll revisit this. <laughs> but... He goes back in, he's going to continue tests, and then the janitor out in the hallway, he hears a scream, and he goes in, and he doesn't see anything. He's like, what happened? He does end up being the person to find it, but in the scene that we see, he doesn't see it. On the ceiling is the professor's body in the green goo. Where did the professor's teeth go? He is missing some teeth in that scene. That was terrifying. I, I don't know how he did it. (laughs) but uh yeah so the professor has now been attacked by the monster or at least that's what we're led to believe it does actually turn out to be him in gold pod didn't that just happen it did right you're right the same thing is like they attack themselves in order to throw the gang or whoever's investigating off the tracks i mean we do see how he did it though when they do the flashbacks at the end of the episode but it's not explained in the gold pod episode no now, I call bullshit on how he did it in this episode still, but they at least explained it. <laughs> so now we meet Angel Dynamite. She is a older black lady. She has awesome Afro hair. I love it. I love her. I, yeah, Angel Dynamite is amazing. She is a radio show host. She runs a show on Kegul 101.4 AM. She is playing some kind of kooky music because that's just how Crystal Cove is. A 24-hour scary music channel. I love it. I need it. I need it. (laughs) Um, She hears knocking and she goes to the door of the station and she brings in Daphne, Shaggy, Velma, and Scooby. And she's like, 
you hear for Fred, he's in the back. So it implies that they're there often enough that like the gang would know that Fred would be there. Yeah. So I like to think of Angel Dynamite as like the pseudo sixth member of the gang. Yeah. In this series. So they go to the back of the station and they see Fred on the floor. He's holding what looks like a a radio box or something like that. Like a record player. I don't know yeah. what he's holding, but he's he's pouting. He's upset about what happened to the professor. He blames himself. He says that, you know, if we never brought the body there, he wouldn't have been attacked. And, True. And, you know, the gang is just like, it's not your fault. And, you know, we're all responsible. It's not just your fault. So Velma states that she brought a sample of the cocoon with her. And they were going to investigate it when they turn around and see that Scooby is eating the cocoon sample. Into which Angel Dynamite says one of my favorite lines. Check it out. If that dog mutates, I'm putting it down. Dig. <laughs> I love the heartless relationship she has with this dog. But my favorite thing is, Scooby is already a talking dog. How much more could he mutate? Like, that she's concerned. Like, if this dog gets any fucking weirder, I'm putting it down. Right. Um, That's when we make the discovery that the cocoon sample is the Fruit Myers dessert. The whole gang confirms it. They try it. And yeah, it's the Fruit Myers, and they decide to investigate Franklin. So they look into his past, and it looks like, you know, he started up this company here in Crystal Cove. There's not really a lot of information about him prior to moving here. So I want to know more about his past. He's sketchy as fuck. I think he's in witness protection. You think? I mean, if you look somebody up and they have no history besides about two months ago, yeah. I would like to think that he's escaping something. Yeah. Maybe he murdered somebody himself. From witness protection. No, I'm thinking he's the one that murdered someone and he had to get out of town. But he's so willing to call the police when the silent alarm goes off when he's at home. Yeah, but he's not in the wrong in that case. Someone's breaking into his business. No, but if you're running from the police, you can't do that. Well, he's assumed a different identity, though. Okay. I don't know. Sketchy, really sketchy guy. I'm just going to say that one way or the other. He's sketchy as fuck. So they look up the Fruit Myers restaurant online, and it turns out that they are hiring female servers. I'm concerned. <laughs> we decided it wasn't legally right to just hire one gender. This takes place in the 2010s as well. So, like, we can still look at it from, like, today's perspective on how these things work. Yeah, it's not legal. Uh, you know, maybe back in the 1960s you could get away with that, but... No, it's not going to fly now. Not today, my friend. They decide to get jobs as servers and investigate the restaurant. Shaggy recommends that they have Daphne and Velma get the jobs and go in. But instead, he and Scooby end up being the ones to get hired by the restaurant. They are disguised as women. And it's when, lovely. <laughs> when they ask why, Daphne responds, me and Velma refused. So I'm thinking... Velma's still upset with Shaggy and is like, he needs to dress up like a woman. And Daphne? She's just, she's not sexist. And she's like, fuck that. No. Okay. I'm not going to degrade myself to that. So that's a character trait. She's a feminist. I'm fine with that. Despite the fact that she only talks about Fred, but you know. <laughs> Counterintuitive. <laughs> so... Shaggy and Scooby have the female dresses on, and Scooby makes a comment that his skirt is too tight. I love it. (laughs) 
<laughs> they they do a shift, and I think it's interesting that on the first day they're allowed to close. Yeah, like they already have keys to the building. Right. Uh, Franklin Fruitmeyer says goodnight. He leaves, and they're just wrapping up at the restaurant. So Shaggy unlocks the front door after Franklin leaves, and he lets Daphne, Fred, and Velma in. Daphne brought a change of clothes for Scooby and Shaggy. Well, Scooby's collar, Shaggy's clothes. And they decide to investigate the building. Daphne goes to a back storage closet, and she tries to open the door, but it's locked. So she goes to try and find a key. Scooby and Shaggy end up going to the same door to try and go in because I think they were just looking for more food. They weren't, yeah. they weren't taking this seriously. No. So Scooby uses his nail to uh, unlock, unlock the door. He gets in, and when they open the door, surprise, there's the slime creature. Which, could you imagine if it was Daphne who actually got that door open first? That'd be terrifying. Uh, it's terrifying anyway. He's loud. I don't yeah. like how this monster sounds. No. We didn't really describe him earlier, so... Just imagine, like, he's like a skeleton-looking... He's almost like a goopy space kook. Like, outside of the space astronaut costume. And, like, like, ten feet tall. Covered in green slime. It's disgusting. Yeah. He is a terrifying monster. I think he's a really nice design. Yeah, Um, I do like it. He walks around with a limp. I think that's just an interesting trait of the monster. It's not really explained, but it's just an interesting thing I noticed. So the monster attacks them, and they run off. Daphne comes back to the door and notices that it's open. And she's like, this door was locked a moment ago. She goes inside, and then the door is slammed shut on her. Right, so who closed the door? I was wondering the same thing. Like, are we supposed to believe it's the monster? No, because the monster's chasing Shaggy and Scooby. But we don't see the monster again. Because then Shaggy and Scooby end up coming back a few minutes later after Fred and Velma open the door and save Daphne. They run through the door and they knock Daphne down, but the monster's gone. That's true. So I'm going to assume the monster... Locked Daphne in. He must have? I That's don't know. understandable to try and, like, corner each and every one of them off so you can get out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I said, Fred and Velma open the door to free Daphne. Shaggy and Scooby come barreling back, and she accidentally gets knocked into the back of the room into a hole. Which is like a 10-foot drop, so it's quite a bit of distance to, like, be thrown and dropped. Right. Um, something I noticed as well in that closet are barrels of what I'm assuming is fruit Myers, but it says radioactive. On and he does make the a barrels. point to say he doesn't know what's in his food. I'm concerned. <laughs> this Franklin guy is super sketchy. <laughs> Maybe that's what he's running from. <laughs> I love it. Um, they climb down into this hole that Daphne fell into. It's the same caves that they were in earlier in the episode. They see another hole a little bit down. Velma uses like a GPS program she has yeah. on, I'm assuming, at her phone, and says that this hole is 20 yards away from Fruit Myers, which puts it exactly, and everyone says in unison, the Crystal Cove Bank. Why is that common knowledge? Oh, that must be the bank. Like, I don't know. Yeah, right. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> So that's when they basically put together that this monster is clearly not a monster. It has a financial motive. It's trying to break into the bank and make money. Very simple. So they build a trap. It is one of the most convoluted traps I have ever seen in a Scooby-Doo episode. I'm going to assume that it's supposed to be satire. Like, it's supposed to satirize how crazy the old plans used to be and, like, the Where Are You cartoon. 
but it's just off the charts. I wrote down every single step yeah. of this trap. I'm going to let you go through it because it was crazy. It took up eight lines of my notebook, like writing a paragraph of what happened. So when the monster attacks, you know, the gang is like toying with him, trying to get into a specific spot in the cave. They're calling him stupid. They're egging him on. And that's when Fred decides to initiate the trap. So he has Shaggy and Scooby pull a rope. This rope releases a bowling ball that is on some kind of ramp. And it lands in a box. The box falls onto a catapult. The catapult sends this garden gnome into the air. The garden gnome has a parachute. So it's deployed. And he floats down and he lands on on a counterweight that pushes this watering can over so that it can start watering a flower pot. When the flower pot gets enough water in it, it also affects this counterweight that it's sitting on that pushes this ball up a ramp. The ramp is going upwards, so the ball is just going up. I was extremely mad about the physics there because I'm not a good science student. I was never good at science or physics, but that's not right. But anyway, the ball goes into the air and it hits this piece of wood that is holding up this anvil. So the anvil is released. It's hanging by a rope. It swings down and it goes right between Daphne and the slime monster. It doesn't hit either of them. Goes back up into the air it hits a pair of scissors that's been fixed onto the roof of the cave. The scissors cut the rope that the anvil is on. The anvil lands in a mining cart, which is then pushed down this rail. At the end of the rail, the rail track, it hits this metal cage that's hanging on another rope, and the cage is now pushed across the cave, and when it stops... The cage is let go from the rope, and it falls. And it's supposed to fall on the slime mutant, but instead, it lands on the gang. Well, everyone except Daphne. That was a wild trap. So after all of that... <laughs> it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't even work. No. After all of that, how does it miss the monster? How? I, I love it. I love how obnoxious this whole plan was again it has to be some kind of satire there's no way that the writers wrote this and were not laughing their asses off thinking like this is definitely what we're intending yeah they weren't doing this because they just want it to be a stupid trap like they're making some kind of comment on the old traps like have you ever seen hassle in the castle yeah like that trap is a really good example of what i'm talking about so then the monster sprays them all down with the Slime inside the cage. Inside yeah. the so cage. Trapped inside the cage, covered in slime. And so then Daphne's like hiding behind this boulder, and she looks over, and the monster's right there. Scary. Scary. <laughs> and so it starts chasing her, and they're like, "Oh my god, run, Daphne, run!" She jumps ten feet into the air, grabs the ledge, pulls herself up, and starts running away from oh, the monster. Oh, and the hole back into fruit mines. Yeah. yeah. like what the hell in her high heels in her high heels (laughs) excuse me ma'am she is now running through the restaurant from the monster she tries to go out the front door and as she opens it the monster shoots some slime and shuts the door on her and now he's got her cornered 
and she's you know she's basically captured and that's when fred yells now and he and the rest of the gang who managed to eat their way out of the goo because they remembered that it's fruit myers yeah. love that they forgot but they escaped and now they have this hose like a fire hose fill with the goo and they shoot it at the monster against the wall so yay they captured him and Daphne's like, oh, Fred, you saved me. Not now, Daphne. I have to figure out why my trap didn't work. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's when Mayor Jones and Sheriff Stone burst through the front door. And they're like, what is going on here? They ask why their new town attraction is pinned against the wall. Like, no one is concerned that this is a real monster who is possibly killing people it's the new town attraction. Right. The gang are just like, it's not a real monster. And the mayor's like, well, then who is it? And they're like, it's Franklin Fruitmeyer. And the sheriff's like, uh, that's impossible. He's the one that called us. And that's when Franklin walks through the door and he says that he was putting together a balloon ship at his house. Because that's what I do every night. Of course. And that's when the alarm at his home went off saying that the restaurant had been broken into. It wasn't broken into. They used a key to open it. Yeah. Thought that was strange. He's a sketchy dude. Like, maybe he has cameras set up and he saw them messing around and so he called the police. Maybe. I don't know. So, that's when the gang are just dumbfounded. They're like, well, if it's not him, then who is it? So, they take off the mask and it turns out it's the professor, like we said before. They're all dumbfounded. They're like... But you're a teacher. Why do you need more money? (laughs) Daphne asks that question, and he doesn't even answer. He's just like, dumbasses. Are you serious? (laughs) And the gang's like, oh, I'm sorry. My bad. Everyone's just like, ugh. So his plan basically started when he was trying to collect mold samples from the sewer for his class. He accidentally broke down the wall that led into the caves. And when he went into the cave, he discovered that it went right underneath the bank, and he thought he would just break into the bank, steal the money, and he'd become rich. Okay. That's fair. I mean, if you're able to get into the bank and out of the bank without them noticing it, okay. He was using the Fruit Myers restaurant to basically frame Franklin. Now, this poses a question for me. So, something that bothered me when he was going into the flashbacks about his plan, there's two things. One... He explains that he framed the whole scene of him, you know, being attacked by the monster in the classroom. We see him basically, like, rubber band himself onto the ceiling. Like, he crawls into this closet against a rubber band. I'm going to assume he, like, let his legs go and it, like, flung him onto the ceiling. Yeah. Because physics? <laughs> physics does not work the same in the Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated well, you universe. can slingshot something. <laughs> Not oh. like that. You're going to tell me that that would work in real life? I mean, maybe not <laughs> that exact thing. I think the doors would be too loose or whatever, you know, because they were able to close after he was slingshotted. They'd probably close while he was pulling on him. I'm not concerned about the door. I just don't believe you could do that. Like rubber band yourself onto the ceiling like that. that no, I call bullshit. But then the other thing, it shows him putting together his costume and it shows him like in the cave he's already in the costume but he's covering himself with the the fruit myers dessert yeah now i'm wondering why the other radioactive barrels are down there like are those real radioactive barrels 
Maybe. Or were those like just planted there or are these coming from the restaurant? Okay, so here's my thought. You know how in SpongeBob there's the secret Krabby Patty recipe? Yes. Maybe there's a secret Fruit Myers recipe and he puts it in radioactive bins so that nobody thinks to open them. Is that your theory? That's my theory. Okay. I think it's solid. I think he's serving radioactive substances to people and passing it off as dessert. That too. (laughs) So the sheriff is now going to escort the professor out. He's going to take him to the jail. And that's when Daphne pulls out the locket that she found and is like, well, okay, so what about this? He's like, I've never seen that before. And we see Fred's dad kind of react to the locket. Yeah. It's not explained. No one says anything. It's just something that he did. So, interesting. And it was like a purposeful thing. We were supposed to see it. That that wasn't like some kind of an animation error. Like, it focused on... Him. Mr. Jones for a second. Yeah. So, now the mystery's solved. And the gang is now back at K. Ghoul. They're just hanging out with Angel. And the phone rings. And Shaggy answers it, believing it's just someone requesting a song on the station. Yeah. And the first thing to come out of the phone call is, you are all doomed. And he's like, uh, who is this? And he's like, you can call me Mr. E. He basically goes on to explain that they should have never brought the locket out of the cave and that they don't know what they've uncovered. And Daphne's like, okay, uncovered what? And he responds, the truth about the curse of Crystal Cove. The gang is like now surrounding the phone like, what are you talking about? And with my comment earlier about them actually being, you know, genuinely interested in these mysteries and wanting something to be true, that's something that's going to grab their attention. Oh, definitely. And Scooby is even concerned when he says his Scooby Dooby Doo, like he's concerned the way he sounds. That's how the episode ends. So now I ask you, what was your rating on Beware the Beast from Below on the Scooby's Necometer? I actually rated it an eight. Okay. I loved it. I personally know that there's better episodes coming. Um, but even besides that, if I didn't know that, like it, it was a good episode. I think that they can do better. It's an eight. Okay. I actually gave it an eight as well. I love this episode as an opening to this series because like you said, you know what's going to come. But on top of that, I think that on its own, it sets up the characters like the main five as well as its supporting characters really efficiently, I think. You know, it doesn't spend the entire episode giving us every single detail about the five main characters and its supporting cast, but we get a really good idea of what their relationships are like. Yeah. We get a really simple mystery that's, you know, isolated to itself, but we also get the first crumb of a huge mystery that we're going to start to delve into as the episodes come. I think it's just a really good pilot episode. I Yeah, it's I fantastic. do too. Now, we're going to do something a little new with Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated that we haven't done with other series on this podcast. Because we've watched this before, uh, we know some of the spoilers that are coming. We know some of, like, extra information. At the very end of this episode, if you guys stay till after the ending song, we're going to talk a little bit about the spoilers and, and... get it more in depth with some of the things we wanted to talk about, but we didn't want to give anything away. Right. So if you have watched Scooby and Mr. Incorporated, 
we really encourage you to visit this part of the episode at the end because there's a lot of things that Shannon and I both noticed in this episode that's really interesting to the overall story. Um, so we wanted to talk about it. And if there's other episodes down the road in this story that we feel is relevant and is potentially a spoiler if you haven't watched this series yet, we're going to do this again. So we'll talk about that after the rest of this episode. So I wanted to share a fun fact with you this week. Okay. And it's also specifically about this series. It's not really like about the Scooby-Doo series. It's more so like a personal thing, I will admit. Now, Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated's first episode officially, like in terms of like its official air date, was July 12th of 2010. But it had a sneak peek premiere on April 5th of 2010. Oh. Which happens to be my birthday. Which was a fantastic birthday gift. But then another cool thing that I don't think many people realize is that the last episode of the entire series, episode 52, Come Undone, also aired on April 5th of 2013. What a fun fact. It began and ended on my birthday. <laughs> For like the biggest Scooby-Doo fan I know. I, I love it. I Fun fact, I know it's not like, you know, really Scooby-Doo centric is just a really personal fun fact that i love yeah. talking about with this series because this is one of my favorites this is your series <laughs> it's one of my series and i love it so that's my fun fact for the week so i just wanted to throw this out there we haven't talked about this movie in a while i'm not really sure if we ever have on the podcast the newest direct-to-video movie that's going to be coming in the scooby-doo franchise is scooby-doo and the gourmet ghost scooby-doo and the gang meet fred's uncle bobby flay who's a famous chef and some other celebrity chefs. And I just wanted to throw out the fact that the digital version of this movie is actually going to be coming out this month. It comes out on August 28th. Uh, the DVD will come out on September 11th. But I just wanted to throw out there if you guys are fans and definitely want to get this movie ahead of time. The digital version will be coming out at the end of this month. Perfect. So that's my Scooby-Doo news for the week. So next week we're going to be covering an episode from Be Cool Scooby-Doo. This series is not a chronologically focused episode, so we will be using the randomizer. Shannon, are you ready to randomize our next episode? Oh yeah, let's go. And it is, if you can't Scooby-Doo the time... Don't Scooby-Doo the crime. That's a long title. It is. <laughs> so our premise for this episode is coming from Scoobypedia. Fred is set on visiting the vault, a high-security prison which is hampered by mistrust of a sandwich thief, and maybe more importantly, the ghost of an escaped inmate. It's going to be bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's what we have to look forward to this next week. So... If our listeners want to talk to us more about Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated and their thoughts, where can they talk to us about it, Shannon? Well, as always, you can contact us on Twitter at GroovyScoobCast. We definitely always encourage you guys to reach out to us on there, especially during like these episodes where we can talk about spoilers if you guys have seen it. Episodes that we're watching, we do get really into, and so when you guys talk to us online about it, it really does make us feel like we're including you and you're part of our podcast. We love to hear what you guys have to say about this show because we could talk all day about it. Yes. 
Also, as always, you can email us at thatgroovyscoopcast at gmail.com. Keep that email in mind for those of you who would like a Planispheric Disc sticker, which is from this series, actually. If you go on iTunes or Stitcher and both rate us and leave a written review about us, we would love it if you gave us a five, but we won't force (laughs) you. But if you do, and then you email us and let us know about it, we will send you a free sticker. So definitely take advantage of that because we have quite a few left. And the stickers are really cool. They are. (laughs) <laughs> objectively they are very cool <laughs> you can you can share something with us we both have them on our laptops we love them right and if that groovy scoop cast isn't enough for you when it comes to scooby-doo content you can always go over to my do central tumblr or my do central instagram on tumblr i share all sorts of cool news and media as well as pieces of my personal collection and on do central on instagram you can see a piece of my personal Scooby-Doo collection that I post every single day, both of which are at Do Central. And with that, we hope you enjoyed this episode of That Groovy Scoopcast. Come back next week for a Scooby snack filled time. Bye guys. Bye. Hey guys, so like we said before, Shannon and I wanted to elaborate more on things that we noticed in the first episode of Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated, Beware the Beast from Below, that we feel spoils and has a lot to do with later portions of the season and the series as a whole that we just couldn't help but not mention. We wanted to talk about it, but we also didn't want to ruin it for the people who haven't seen it before. Because even just mentioning it a little bit, you can connect that dot later. And, you know, we just don't want to ruin any of the pureness of this show. So this is your last warning. If you do not want this series spoiled for you, stop listening now. We'll see you next week. No harm, no foul. So I like that this episode being the first one, and with us being new viewers quote-unquote to this series we don't know a lot yet we know we we don't know anything yet yeah but it does make really sly hints and foreshadowing on things that go on later in the show i mean even in the season two right exactly so the first thing i noticed shannon and i joked about that worker that was down in the the sewers that when they accidentally broke the hole in the wall and he's just like You know, because if this isn't a sewer, then what is it? And the guy was like, we just broke into another dimension. I thought that was really interesting foreshadowing because they do actually travel through different dimensions in this show. I'm not really sure if it was like a bigger foreshadowing than it really is. Like it may just be, you know, unintentional. It may have just been like they thought it was funny, so they put it in there. But then it turned out that they actually did do it. Right. Because you got to consider that when the gang do end up going into different dimensions, they are underground because they are like, because that's when the whole town was enslaved and they're like, you know, mining underneath Crystal Cove. Yeah. So, you know, them going into another dimension underground is kind of foreshadowed in this instance where, you know, these guys are in the sewers, they're underground and, you know, they just broke into another dimension. Yeah. Quote unquote. The second thing I noticed was 
Daphne when she found the locket in the cave. Now, if you've seen this series before, you know that the locket belonged to Judy Reeves, one of the original members of the original Mystery Incorporated. At the end of season one, we discover that the original gang were trying to find a treasure that was underneath a church in Crystal Cove. And they accidentally set off a booby trap that flooded the whole cave, and Judy's locket was accidentally lost in the cave. So that's how it ended up here in the sewer cave area. I think it's an interesting parallel how Daphne is the one who finds the locket, and Daphne is the counterpart to Judy in the Mystery Incorporated lineup. Because, you know, every single member has, like, their counterpart. You know, Professor Pericles is Scooby, Ricky Owens is Shaggy, Cassidy Williams is Velma, Brad Childs is Fred, and Judy Reeves, the one who lost the locket, is the counterpart to Daphne, who's the one that found it 20 years later. Also something that I noticed that I thought was kind of cute was about the parallels. When they're walking back to the car and Daphne mentions what a cute gift this would be if somebody were to give her a sweet gift like that. And her and Fred's counterparts were also together. Yes, that's right. Another thing we noticed was Fred's dad's guilty look. At the end of the mystery, when Daphne holds up the locket and she's like, well, clearly you have to know about this. And he's like, no, I've never seen that before in my life. Fred's dad, like, physically shudders. Like, he's like, oh, shit, that's out and about and, like, that's a thing. And you can clearly see it on his face. So right then and there, you know. He knows something. He knows something. And we do know when we find out in the same episode that we found out who the locket really belonged to is that Fred's dad is partly responsible for their disappearance. Yeah. Because he's the one that was disguised as the freak of Crystal Cove and, you know, was terrorizing the gang and, you know, basically scared them out of town. You know, it's not like a huge thing, but I just thought that was a really interesting tidbit that was thrown in there because you don't really understand to what extent Fred's dad is involved in this mystery until later in the season. Because it's not really brought up again in the earlier episodes. No. It's just something really small detail that isn't really brought up again for a while. But I think it's cool because it shows that they had these connections planned since the very first episode. Right. Or maybe even if they didn't know what Fred's dad was going to be, they knew he was going to be something important. And so they put like these little tidbits in the very first episode. Which leads us to our last point about this episode, which is its very title. Beware the Beast from Below. Now, if you've watched Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated all the way through, all 52 episodes, you know that what ultimately happens is the gang is destined to release the evil entity, which is an Anunnakian alien god that wants to basically take over the world and cause the apocalypse. I think the title of this episode very subtly foreshadows that because he is essentially the beast from below. Yeah. He's at the very bottom of Crystal Cove. Like, you have to travel through different dimensions to get to where he is underneath the town. Yeah. And, yeah, you should be, you should beware of him because he is going to destroy the world. Yeah. On a very surface level perspective, yeah. The title is just talking about the mutant But I think on a more in-depth level, I think this title is really talking about the evil entity. 
Exactly. And we have no idea this is happening. Again, we have, you know, at this point, 51 episodes to go until we even get to the beast below. So it's it's just very cool to see that they were connecting these dots since the very first episode. We don't even know what the curse of Crystal Cove is, really. Like, yes. yeah, the, the town is haunted, but we don't know why. We don't know that an evil entity is influencing the town or anything. And that's pretty crazy right then and there. Right, but... I, I don't know. I, I think that was intentional. I want to believe it is. I think it's really cool if it is. Because a lot of these connections and these foreshadowings, I never really noticed until you and I were watching the episode and taking notes. And that's when, you know, Shannon and I really agreed to do this new portion of that Groovy Scoop cast. Because if you like Mystery Incorporated and you want to fall in love with it more, just know that the writers behind this series were really, really smart. And they knew what they were doing from the very beginning. So were there any other comments you wanted to say about that? I think that was it. I think it's going to be cool to see everything that happens again. Right. Well, that's all we have for you guys this week. So again, we'll see you next week. Bye guys. Bye.